0: Organizations are experiencing firsthand the fact that it impacts them and they have a role to play the mental health challenges because we can't separate our personal lives and what we bring to work i was just talking to a mentee the other day and she was saying how she was challenged with just separating a lot of the personal challenges she's going through when she gets to work her mindset has been on all these things and how she solves them and while she's really really working hard and, and talked a lot about well how can i just move some of that stuff out of my head and you know really be able to focus on on my work so Organizations, I think, more so are realizing that there's not a fine definitive line or a separation, and we bring our whole selves to work, and it affects our productivity. It affects our bottom line at the end of the day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googlization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf.
1: Welcome back, Googleization Nation, and thanks for listening to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Jason, good to see you. I know we, we weren't sure if you were going to make it with the storms moving through the Midwest, so it's great to see you. Yeah, you too. Just another
2: element of VUCA, right? This time, the climate edition with the Midwest getting hit with these storms. But great to be back with Googleization Nation this week. We did take a little bit of a respite last week and did the replay of Dave Oryx's episode, but great to be back with you and our listeners live this
1: week. And And we've got a great guest today. We've got Vivian Blade. I met, I think this is how, maybe she can confirm this when we talk. I met Vivian because we were both named to the 100 HR influencers of 2021. We were both on the list by Engagedly, and we had the guest, the founder and CEO of Engagedly, Srikanth Shalapa, was on back, back in the fall. So we had a good conversation with him about that. And I think that's how we, Vivian and I connected, but it could be another way because she is the author of a book called Resilience Ready. And you know we're always talking about resilience and adaptability. And when I had a brief conversation with her, we just connected. It was like we, you know, sort of soulmates on the resilience side. So I'm really, really excited about her. The book is—I read most of it. The book is great, and looking forward to bringing her on. But we got a lot of things going on this week. But by the way, I mean we're recording today, and although it's Wednesday, it's actually Tuesday. It's two, 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 two. <laughs> so, right so not to confuse everybody but it's uh, february 2nd 2022 so two 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 it's also groundhog day and uh, the groundhog well no big surprise based on the weather today i saw a shadow so we're going to get six more weeks of winter which i'm not sure anybody's really excited about that but we got a couple things this is like this is literally a blizzard of things happening this week i think just yesterday i had three or four podcasts that I recorded prior to this, not our podcast, where I was being interviewed, where I was the guest, and they all dropped on, on the same day. It must have been beginning of the month, mm-hmm. uh, so we'll be sharing those out. But we got some big news coming, and you know, hopefully, everybody's going to pay attention. Whether you're part of Googleization Nation or whether you were just connected with Jason or myself on LinkedIn, you'll be hearing about that beginning tomorrow. We got a big announcement coming out there. But in doing that, Jason and I have been working, really trying to focus on what's this podcast about? We want to be more than just a podcast. We, we want people to literally say that. I mean, what do we think Geek Skeezers and Googleization is? And we want them to think it's, oh, it's much more than a podcast. Maybe it's a movement. But we came up with this, and, and we really hope to be the heart and soul of crucial conversations around reimagining your tomorrow and also talking about the convergence of technology, business, people, and work. That's how the book balanced We haven't gotten away from it, but we sometimes don't talk about it in those terms. But that's what it's about. And we have some unbelievable guests coming up. Next week, we've got Gad Levinson. Who had been the? I don't remember exactly what his title was, but he was the head of labor economics and tr- and workforce trends at the Conference Board, and he just moved over to Burning Glass Technologies. So he's just, literally he's, it'll be his second week there. That he'll be he'll be joining us, and then follow the week following that, we've got Mark Efron. I'm, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So pretty exciting times.
2: Absolutely, it is, and and you know that's. Like you said, that's our vision is we want to be more than just a podcast. We want to connect you, Googleization Nation, to the resources that you need on a personal, professional level to be prepared for things. Because as we talk about every week, as much as we thought the roller coaster would eventually come back to a screeching halt and things would return to normal, it's not. And and so now it's about creating and casting that vision of a better future than what we left behind. And that's what our guests and the resources and things that we're going to equip you with are going to help you uh, do that is define that future and then give you the skills in order to succeed in that. And certainly what we're going to talk with Vivian about today, resiliency is one of those keystone behaviors and sets of skills that's necessary to do that.
1: And I guess another way of saying that is we hope to, to be the connection between yesterday and tomorrow. And people are really struggling with that, going into that never normal. And I know people keep wanting to go back to the never normal and it's, it's just not happening. And when they go back, it does. it's like going back to your home that you grew up in. And you envision it's so much bigger. The backyard was so much bigger and greener and plusher. And then you drive by, and it's like, really? That's where I lived. Right. <laughs> that shoebox. <laughs> well, that's sort of what happens when we talk about returning to normal. And part of that is is that resiliency. I mean, it's that we want to go back there because it's our comfy, it's our blanket, it's our blankie and. And moving forward, in order to really be in reality, to be able to continue to grow and thrive and, and move forward, we really need different skills. And, and one of those is resiliency. And we'll have a really, really good discussion. So before we delay this anymore, let's hop in and we're going to ask Vivian Blade to join us. I'm just going to read her bio real quick here. As I mentioned, she's one of Engagedly's top 100 global HR influencers. And I was honored to join that list with her. She's a sought after leadership expert and thought leader. She she works with the world's top brands to build better, more resilient workplaces, equipping leaders to solve depressing burnout, turnover, and workplace culture challenges your company is struggling with right now. And, you know, as we're waiting for Vivian to join, there were some stats I had just pulled up. Hey, Vivian. Hi there. Great to Hi, see Vivian. you. Hey, thanks Hi. for joining us today. I just pulled these up. Yeah, I just pulled these up in preparation. You shared some of these. But 86% of employees say that mental health, stress, and burnout is a top priority. And 78%, so it's almost the same number, by another study, said they're impacted. Their performance and their health is being impacted by stress and burnout. Yet only one-third of employers said they have a plan to deal with it. So four out of five employees are struggling with this. And one out of three are saying, whoops, why are we having this great resignation? Why are people leaving? Why is our performance down? Big shocker. Well, you don't have a plan. Nothing's going to change.
0: Vivian, Mm. welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and those statistics are daunting, aren't they? And sometimes employers get a little stuck because they don't know how to respond or necessarily what to do. And we are certainly in new territory, aren't we? Territory that we haven't seen before, not in our lifetimes anyway. And so this is a real crisis, mental health crisis, personal crisis, productivity, business crisis that we're facing right now that we really have to address. And I love some of the things that you all talked about, about how we move forward. So we've got to figure out how to do that in these days.
1: You know, what's interesting is, and, and I think if you were in the green room, you probably heard me share the story about, you know, our homes. And we go back and we look at where we grew up and, and our we remember things so much better and, and differently than they are. I'm working on an article, and I and I just read. Although we're talking about this mass resignation and so many people leaving, what is that all-time high? Is certainly the mental health and the stress and the burnout. But this resignation isn't actually that new. It's actually we've always had it. And what happened is, is people are the employees went back, employers went back, and they just thought it was going to be this old normal. And we'll go back to the old way. And then they discovered that the old way was actually pretty bad, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that they always had this turnover. The problem right now is there's just new bodies and that's a whole other, there's not enough people with the skills that they need with, again, another story for another day. But let's go back. You just, during this past year, it's not, I don't even think it's a year ago. I think I saw that the publication date was March. So you're coming up on your anniversary. You wrote a book called Resilience Ready. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, What prompted you to write about resilience?
0: Resilience Ready is a book that really came to life at the start of the pandemic. I was writing a book already, actually, about how we face and navigate different crossroads in our lives. And then we had this huge crossroads occur. And so I I really transitioned what I was writing there and my focus to how do we deal with crises and the overwhelm that comes from that. I wanted to make sure that I could be a resource to all the leaders and and HR professionals out there who were trying to work with employees and to navigate all of this pandemic, all this uncertainty that we were going through. So I began to create some resources, post them online, some videos that people could access to begin to have conversations internally, to be able to have some strategies and tools that they could use to work through the challenges. And so that really was the genesis all of this, just seeing what the need was so critically at that time and how people were struggling and needed some hope and some help to be able to get through.
1: You talk about adverse, you know, and again, you just mentioned it, but I'm not sure the relationship between these two is transparent for some people because you talk about adversity and you talk about challenges, then you talk about resiliency. And can you kind of connect the dots for us
0: yeah, you know, we're, we're always going to be going through different challenges and adversity, you know, and, and one of the important elements that I emphasize in Resilience Ready is the fact that it's not just these big crises that we face, we also have ongoing disruptions that occur all the operational surprises that come up. You get to work one day and you know something's wrong with some of the equipment in the plant. Or you know there was a fire or, you know, some of the little some people can't show up for work today because of the ice storm. You know, things that we're literally going through right now. Supply chain shortages. So we can't run the line because we don't have the equipment that we need. So how do we address all of this adversity and how do we use a strategic approach to be able to one make sure that we can deal with those things personally, and, and have strategies to be able to, to go through that journey so that we can, as leaders, as HR professionals, work with the employees in our organizations, our teams, to build team and organizational resilience. So, you know, and, and it's when we face those challenges, you know, truly, how do we adapt to them? How do we go through them? And to me, that's what resilience is really all about, is, is how we adapt.
1: So and we'll get into adaptability because you and I have shared that and we share a, a simulation. And I know Jason's on board with that as well. You know, and and so resiliency, resilience is one of the dimensions that's a driver of adaptability. But so is grit. So, And maybe this is just a change in mindset. Maybe it's different new, younger generations. You know, my baby boomer body says you just need more grit just stick it out. It's what's wrong with the work ethic people. You, people just don't have that gumption or fortitude or perseverance, whatever it is. Just keep your head down. You just, you know, we've been through this before. Resiliency is different. Is different. So the conversation seems to have shifted of I don't want to say treating or dealing with adversity from just pure grit to now it's being resilient Or a combination of those. Am I right? I mean, am I on the right path?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because when we think of the word grit, we do, we think of that, you know, just charge ahead. And one of the resilience ready principles is perseverance. And what I emphasize there is the fact that it's not about just using just pure grit to just forge ahead, pushing through no matter what, having to have that ironclad persona, you know, that we've got it all together and that we're just just pushing through. But it is a combination of how we can both make sure that we have the personal capacity perseverance is a lot about capacity building so that we have resilience we can build resilience it's one of the building blocks of resilience and so we take care of ourselves we make sure that we are just you know reaching out as partnership in fact but that we are doing things to make sure that we build capacity that we are looking at the real reality is that we are making a plan and having a plan help us to go for it. That is how we persevere. It goes beyond grit. We do need some of that staying power, some of that stick to it to be able to and, and that confidence. And that's where perspective comes from. That confidence that that a brighter future is possible. But you know, when we think about resilience, it is a journey, it's a process, it's a skill we can develop. And you know, we're gonna have different levels of resilience at different times as we face different things. But no, it goes beyond just that pure grit.
2: Vivian, I'm curious, do you ever hear any pushback from organizations or leaders that'll that'll say things like, well, the whole mental health resilience thing, that's a personal thing that people need to do. That's not our responsibility. We have an EAP. If they need to talk to someone, they can call the 1-800-HOTLINE. Do you ever hear that from from certain organizations? And if you do, what typically is a response that you give them to help them understand their role that they play in mental health and resilience and burnout and these issues now that we have
0: Yeah, I think more so by and large these days, organizations are experiencing firsthand the fact that it impacts them and they have a role to play, the mental health challenges, because we can't separate our personal lives and what we bring to work I was just talking to a mentee the other day and she was saying how she was challenged with just separating a lot of the personal challenges she's going through when she gets to work her mindset has been on all of these things and how she solves them and while she's really really working hard and, and talked a lot about well, how can I just move some of that stuff out of my head and you know really be able to focus on on my work so organizations i think more so are realizing that there's not a fine definitive line or a separation and we bring our whole selves to work and it affects our productivity it affects our bottom line at the end of the day and what i encourage organizations to do is is take a look really look at what the impact is where are working with your hr professionals to understand attendance, performance, productivity, where people are needing resources, and to make sure that you do have the EAP resources available for employees for the kinds of needs they have in today's environment. Critically important. So I'm seeing more of a movement toward providing those resources and realizing the role that they play.
1: Both of you brought up EAP and and having programs of of whatever it is. How do we, how have you found or what have you done to help organizations get over the stigma of even using the EAP? Because As soon as you use that EAP, it's like, oh, you know, what's wrong with them? Or, you know, they're just not ready for this. And unfortunately, there's people that are really biased about it because it's still, mental health is still a stigma, even stress and burnout. Which are signs of mental illness or mental stress, anyway. And people aren't comfortable talking about that. That's sort of a sign of weakness.
0: You know, you know and people really do have to think about the culture within their organizations. Now, you know, with this community of, of HR professionals, I encourage each and every one of you to make sure that you are creating a psychologically safe workplace and a culture where employees feel like they can come to you and they can utilize those resources that you have a an environment of confidentiality and your respect and empathy toward employees who need to use those services so you know i think it's a real challenge ira because people really do have to consider you know what's the culture and what's the potential fallback on me and you know hopeful that they can tread those waters where you know they can just begin to ask some questions and oftentimes we can ask questions about what our EAP services are that are available to us and then we can utilize those outside services to actually get to the specific services that we need without necessarily telling our HR our person or our, our boss, our manager, exactly what our problems are or exactly what we need. we can We can do that and access some of those services with some confidentiality. I'll also encourage you as HR professionals, as leaders, to make sure that you are communicating that information to your employees proactively so that they know that people are not waiting to come have people come and ask them about it but knowing that there is some stigma there and there will be some people who are shy about asking about it that we're proactive in communicating what we have available and even asking people about what the needs are so that we make sure that we are providing the right resources for our employees at the right time.
2: Those recommendations are spot on, Vivian. I mean, the, the stigma is real, as you and Ira alluded to. Deloitte did a study in 2021, and they found nearly half of all senior level executives were concerned about admitting the mental health challenges that they were experiencing. They were concerned about admitting that they were having difficulties sleeping at night, that their eating patterns were changing, that they were losing anhedonia. They were losing interest in things that used to give them pleasure and enjoyment in life. Yeah. And they were worried of the stigma and how it would affect their career. And you think about that cascading effect, if leadership's like that, well, typically, you know, most employees are going to follow the lead of leadership. Mm -hmm. And so then it creates that culture of not wanting to speak up because of the stigma. And so certainly, I love the advice you gave there to leaders. Many times, you should be the first ones to step up. And certainly when it comes to, you know, the EAPs or asking for help, admitting the things that you're going through that are impacting you at work. When you do that, I think they'll be surprised at how many other people then will let their guard down a little bit more. It's not about bearing all their secrets, but saying, you know what, I am having a hard time. These are some things going on in my life that's making it really hard to concentrate at work, just like your mentee shared.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it reminds me of the the partnership principle, resilience-ready principle of partnership. And one of the very first things that we do as leaders is make sure that we are proactive in reaching out to our employees to check in, see how they're doing, provide the support that they need, you know, ask those questions, be there as a resource. A client of mine was just telling me about a story where they implemented some of the resilience ready discussions, got their executive team together to have a conversation around some of the exercises that I provide in the resilience ready workbook. And the leader was saying exactly what you just mentioned, Jason, where she shared some of the things that were vulnerable for her. What she was experiencing as their business had gone through this tumultuous time of just havoc, where a lot of their revenue, given the industries that they supported, were obliterated, you know, totally shut down. And they had to lay off employees and going through a lot. So that gave their leaders an opportunity to share with each other. And she stepped into the plate in sharing a lot of that initially herself. You know, I'm
1: so glad you brought up before, and, and this whole discussion is, is also about changing the culture. It's about the corporate culture. And again, I, I just came across this this morning in preparing for this, and it was a study through MIT Sloan, and they said that a toxic corporate culture is 10.4 times more powerful than compensation in predicting a company's attrition, which becomes so relevant when everybody's worried about what are we going to putting the blame on the people. But the reality is, is the culture is the magnet. I mean, the culture is mm-hmm. the problem and 10, 10.4 10. times more powerful than compensation. So everybody's throwing money and doing bonuses and all these conversations and ignoring, you know, it's gaslighting and deflecting just what needs to be done.
0: Yeah, people are looking for a different experience. They absolutely are. Let me share with you another human capital trend study by Deloitte last year. They said that we suggest that these three attributes purpose, potential, and perspective are essential for organizations to move more quickly from survive to thrive in a world of perpetual disruption. So all of that, you know, leans on our culture that we create in our organizations. People are looking for a different experience. They are a place where, and this is one of the mantras, we want to build a culture, a workplace where people can say, you know, this is a place where I want to work and I feel valued. And in order to do that, in order to create that, we've got to lead differently. We've got to create different organizations. We've got to lead with resilient influence. We go, you know, with the other topic that I'm talking about a lot these days too, you know, how we influence, how we lead, how we become resilient organizations. And a lot of that has to do with how we respond when we face challenges. We're facing stress when we're we're put on the line by something that comes up and surprises us, you know, psychologically, our amygdala kicks right in, wanting to protect us, we get into that fight or flight mode. And if we're not emotionally intelligent and aware of how we react, where our emotions are, how things are affecting us, and how our reactions and responses to those affect other people, then, you know, we, we are creating a toxic culture. You know, and and there are so many people that we talk to that we hear about why they leave. And it's so true. It's, It's workplaces. It's the leaders that they work for, the managers they work for, who create such a tough environment when we want to build that partnership and truly come together so that we can work together to meet organizational goals and we can work together to work through the crises and the challenges that we are facing from a business a team and a personal perspective
1: vivian i know you have and you mentioned these you touched on all these because i recognize them but our listeners may not you have a blueprint you'd have the five Mm -hmm. p's And you talked about perspective and and recognition and and things. When we come, we're going to take a short break. It's just a minute break. Uh, When we come back, I'd like you to walk through that and how that relates and what people, you know, and and what people can do, what leaders can do and what individuals can do to build their resilience. And we'll have a lot to talk about when we come back. So we're going to take a short break. I want to thank everybody for being part of Googleization Nation. Thank you, listeners, everybody who's watching or listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We're here today with Vivian Blade. We're talking about being resilience ready. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
3: Change doesn't pick favorites. No matter who you are or where you live, the year 2020 was filled with one unexpected challenge after another. According to the authors of The Adaptation Advantage, we are incredibly well-prepared for the past, but woefully unprepared for the future. That leaves millions of people feeling scared, worried, frustrated, and confused. Whether you're the owner of a business or a worker out of a job, adaptability is now an essential skill you need to ride the next wave of normal, The good news is, is that science shows that adaptability is learnable. Adaptability gives us the confidence and courage to think about change and embrace opportunity in the right way. Adaptability gives us hope for a better future and goodness knows we need hope. Are you ready to embrace change and double down on your future? Contact Success Performance Solutions today to schedule a consultation about how you can reimagine your team's future, how you can begin to think about opportunity the right way.
1: Welcome back, Googleization Nation. Uh, We're here today with my host, Jason Cochran, and Vivian Blade is our guest. She's the author of Resilience Ready and one of the 100 top global thought leaders in HR, HR influencers. I was happy to be able to join her on that list this past year. Hopefully, we'll see each other again on that. Certainly, with the work you're doing with resilience and influence, Vivian, uh, I'm sure that you'll, you'll be recognized there talked about it in the first part of the show. You talked a lot about a couple pieces of what you have of, as a blueprint. And I believe it's the 5 Ps that are at least on the outer side of that wheel. So if you can exp- if you can quickly walk through those, we have a few minutes here. Uh, if you can walk through what each of those are and and how both leaders and employees might use that to build the resilience
0: Absolutely. So a preview from from my research that I did and the interviews that I did in preparing for Resilience Ready book, I realized that resilience is is very much principles-based. It's a skill set that we can learn, that we can build, and it's a journey. It's a process. And the other thing I want you to remember is that as we achieve resilience, you know, we don't necessarily stay resilient and, you know, and claim resilience and, and expect ourselves to be there all the time because, you know, we, we confront challenges that surprise us all the time, you know, and we're human. So we're going to respond to them in different ways. And, but what we want to build is that set, that, that muscle memory, around resilience, so that we know what it feels like, like we know what our path is to getting ourselves back there. And so there are five principles that are really key for us to be able to build and, and grow our resilience. And they are your perspective, your purpose, your perseverance, partnership, and praise. And so I'll touch on each of these just really briefly and give you one thing that you can do in each to build your resilience in each of these areas. So with your perspective, it is all about how you see things. And one of the key actions we can take is to make sure that we adopt an optimistic outlook. Now, this is not a Pollyanna outlook, but we can get so caught up in all of the stories and all the pessimism. And there's certainly plenty of that around these days. So instead of getting caught up there and getting stuck there and feeling like a victim, we want to deal with the facts. So what is true? What's holding us back? What can we control that we can move forward about? So adopting that optimistic outlook helps us set the stage for moving forward. Purpose is what is our meaning? What is it that's meaningful work? What what gets us up? What's our passion that we live and breathe each and every day? Sometimes in the midst of a crisis or a challenge, our purpose shifts to some degree because the needs of the workplace, the environment, our customers have changed. But how can we make a difference? So as HR professionals, as leaders, you know, look at home first and then also look outside. So how can we make a difference for our employees? How can we make a difference also for our customers and our communities that we operate in? Perseverance, I talked about a little bit earlier But it's not just about how we forge and push through, but perseverance is really about how we establish capacity to be able to be resilient, to be able to work through the challenges that we face. So your key there is to make sure that you're doing things to take care of yourself. Missed a couple of days of exercise because of a busy schedule myself this week. This morning I said I'm going to make sure that I get my my exercise in because that was really important to me to take care of myself and I did feel a lot better. Partnership is the fourth resilience ready principle and partnership is about how we can bond together, I talked about this a little bit earlier as well, but how we connect with each other to make sure that we are supporting our employees and that we ourselves are reaching out as we have a need to make sure we're not staying insulated. And then the fifth resilience ready principle is praise. And praise is all about how we both give ourselves some grace, you know, because we're gonna go, be going through these difficult times. So we wanna make sure that we give ourselves some grace. Everything is not gonna be perfect. Going through a crisis is gonna be a little bit messy, but also recognize that everything that people are going through, they're putting in a lot of effort just to show up every day, to work through everything that they have to juggle. So let's recognize that, even the small milestones. So we recognize the effort and we recognize the progress that people are making. And so those are the five resilience ready principles and some quick tips for how you can use them and engage with them to build your personal resilience, engage to build your team resilience as well.
2: Vivian, that's awesome. That model makes so much sense. And I'm wondering, you know, I've I've struggled with resilience sometimes in my life where it's like, okay, I, I want to be resilient. I think I have a plan. But how do I get motivated? Where do I find the energy, you know, to, to actually do it? Do you ever encounter organizations or people that maybe kind of fall into that bucket where it's like, OK, this, you know, this absolutely makes sense. We want to do that. We've got a plan. Are there certain tricks or, or things you've learned along the way that kind of help people get over that? initial hump and develop some behavioral momentum in moving this direction to start putting a plan in place?
0: Yeah, you know, one of the first things you have to do is recognize where you are. So one of the things that I introduce in the Resilience Ready book and that I gathered from my research is is that there are these stages that we go through when we're dealing with crises and challenge and change, all the change that we go through. And so I termed these the stages of internal crisis response. And we can respond to, to crises Sees as a victim of the circumstance, we can begin to just kind of settle for what the situation is, we can learn how to survive in that environment, but we really make the shift and begin to transition when we are courageous and really, really want something different for ourselves, for our team, for our organizations, and we begin to take that courageous step forward to a different place. We don't have all the information, it's still going to be scary there, but we begin to make a move, and then we can get to the point where we're thriving. And, you know, that's where we've got things that things are connected, things are are working well together, and we are really embodying these resilience-ready principles at this stage. So the first thing is to recognize where you are. There is a resilience-ready assessment where people can get an idea of where they are across those stages, and then begin to pick a starting point. So the thing that I did with this team, we talked about where are you now, what is your greatest need, and where is one of the most important places for you to start around these resilience-ready principles. For this particular team that I told you a little bit of the story about them a little bit earlier, we started with perspective because there was a lot in their current industry that was really bogging them down. And so they needed to be able to work through that and that's, that's where that team started, and they'll continue some conversations around that before they begin to work on any of the other resilience ready principles.
1: Well, Vivian, this is definitely going to be a continuing conversation. One of one of our the things that that I'm working on next, we're going to actually have a 30 day experience coaching experience and it's going to be focused on resilience and I'd love you to be part of that and and hopefully we'll you can have some contributions you know into into that development so we're going to continue this conversation because this is with us for a long time long long time and we got a lot of work to do both at the organizational leadership and individual basis Mm -hmm. before we we share how people can get in touch with you and purchase your books got a couple quick questions here so this is going to be our lightning round what's your word of the year one word, how, what's it represent for the year? You
0: no, know, it's got to be adaptability. You know, as we think about resilience and this whole topic and and what we have to do and what resilience is really all about, it's got to be adaptability.
1: I'm all with you there. So thank you for, for confirming that. What's the best advice you ever got but ignored?
0: Goodness, the best advice I got but oh, ever got but ignored. You know, I would say probably early on in In my career, you know, it's probably a lot about this partnership piece, you know, really feeling like as I was advancing in my career, needing to to look like I had it all together. And, and I remember in one particular role where I could have used some more mentorship, or probably support and advice to help me really ramp up a little more quickly. So I would say, you know, reaching out to people, not being afraid to let people help you and come alongside you. It's probably one of those.
1: It sounds like it fits into one of our dimensions of adaptability, Vivian, fixed and growth mindset.
0: Ah, there <laughs> right? we go. Yeah,
1: right. there we reaching go. out there. So, mm-hmm. so we keep covering all the bases. What's, are you reading a What's a current book you would recommend or, or a current book you're reading and or, or both?
0: Yeah, a client of mine mentioned the High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. Um, you know, so that's one. Own Your Life and Own Your Career is, no, Own, own Your Career and Own Your Life. I said, said that backwards. Own Your Career and own your, own your Life by Andy Storch, you know, is another one.
1: Excellent. And if you can have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would it be?
0: Oh my goodness. Dinner with one person. I always enjoyed dinner with my husband and my, my families, (laughs) you know, you know, I'm, I'm a family person, Um, you know, lost my mother recently, you know, a, a, you know, continuing to, to commune with, with her. But I would say on the, on the popular front, Michelle Obama, I think is one person I would love to have dinner with and, and love to meet.
1: Hopefully she's listening. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that may not be this weekend with the snow, but or this is the next couple of days with that, but ho- hopefully in time. Vivian, it's been an absolute pleasure. How can people get a hold of you?
0: I can be reached at Vivian at VivianBlade.com. That is my email address. My website is VivianBlade.com. So really easy to find me. You can also find me on LinkedIn and I hope you will connect.
1: And your book is Resilience Ready. And that's uh, resilienceready.today. Is that mm-hmm.
0: correct? Yes, there's a website there. Book is also available on Amazon. If you go there, so mm-hmm. yeah,
1: excellent. And it was a or is a number one bestseller on Amazon. So yes, definitely a mm-hmm. pickup. Vivian, thanks for, for taking some time out, sharing it with our listeners. Thanks for being part Thank of Nation Nation, and I'm sure we'll be continuing this conversation.
0: Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, both Ira, Jason. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Bye. So, we talked, to, we started off today talking about crucial conversations we're going to have about the convergence of technology, people, work, business. That certainly was one. And again, we, we say this every week we get to the end, and it's like we're just getting started. <laughs> There's like so many things. I had so many questions I wanted to ask and pursue. We, we can probably just repeat all these people next year. We don't have to book anybody else. We'll just That's right. Hey, I mean, we've we'll
2: we'll had the idea of doing the road show, right? Taking it on the road and, and following up with folks. And I think at some point we may have to do that in the summer. Uh, that'd be a blast. Yeah. When she was was going on about Deloitte and their model of, you know, purpose, potential, and perspective, that those are the three most important you know aspects of business for people right now would have loved to have gone down that rabbit hole. But like you said, we just didn't have the time to do it. But maybe on the roadshow, we'll do that next.
1: That's for sure. So that was, what was there a one big takeaway you had or kind of an aha moment, the connecting of the dots?
2: I love that she, when I asked that question near the end of, you know, my experience has been a lot of times, you know, I, I may have the knowledge of, okay, this is what I need to do. Here's the plan to be resilient. Maybe I've got the resources around me to do it, but sometimes it's about what's right here, right? It's about the heart. Like, do I have, can I muster the energy? Can I muster the mood, the stamina, the things that it actually takes to go do those things or to ask for help? And when she talked about, we've got an answer for that in the book, here's the framework for what you do. That was a big aha moment for me because that has just been not only for me personally with a lot of clients that we work with, that tends to be one of the the struggles, that they often encounter, especially on a personal level, of how to get started, and so that was really insightful to me. Of she's got a plan for the backup plan for even if you can't muster the energy or the will to do it, there's a framework and there's something that can help you get started.
1: Yeah, we just had a really nice comment from Henry Moore, who who said that at J and J, employee J and J, they have a really nice EAP platform, and they really encourage their employees to take advantage of those. But that, and that goes in line with that. And that was my one big takeaway. And, and again, it's, it's rather obvious, but we spend so much time. Sometimes we don't, we don't ourselves connect the dots. You know, we talk a lot with with the adaptability, creating that, that environment, the adaptive environment. How do we support people, especially in this day and age? And we talk about, you know, company support. Does, do the employees feel that the management has their back? How do, do they feel that the team has their back? But, and then we talk about, as Vivian mentioned, we talk about environment, uh, psychologically safe space. And that was that was the thing that was like, how, how did I miss that before? You can offer all the a- EAP programs that you want, but because of the stigma, the mental health, people don't, or people say you can do those, but you have to do that on your own time. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff, how it's mismanaged. But the reality is if you have an EAP program or a thinking of that, or even if you don't, but you have other resources and services, if- the employees don't feel safe they don't feel that they, they that they're afraid of being vulnerable transparent sharing some of these experiences and then you can even get into the difference between extroverts and introverts extroverts you know how they feel introverts you never know how they feel and they don't want to share that how do you how do you create that psychologically safe environment that allows the eap that you've invested in to be effective Absolutely. some of the people a lot of the people so that was one of those Moments, it's like, oh, how did I miss that? How did I not draw that connection? And we just Brian, be- and
2: for me personally, I've, I've walked through that a little bit. I've worked in places previously where I would have never felt comfortable
1: mm-hmm.
2: accessing the AP because I was worried. Okay, who's gonna? Is this gonna follow me? Is someone gonna be looking at this? And now, you know, in my, my own company, I just used it. A few weeks ago. In fact, I went to a counseling appointment last night because a few days before Christmas, one of my sons, twin sons, who's a year and a half, had a choking incident. And it was very traumatic. I almost lost him. And I knew I needed to go get some, some counseling support. And so I accessed and used our EAP. And it was one of the best decisions I made. But I felt comfortable in doing it because I knew that the rest of our employees, the rest of our co-founders weren't going to think of me any differently for having done that. And so you're so spot on there, and so is Vivian that it does start with the culture and leadership at the top and making it okay to be vulnerable and to talk about the things going on in your life that you might need help with and that it doesn't diminish you or make you weak for doing so, but it's actually the opposite. It makes you a stronger person and it does make you more resilient.
1: And I know we're just about out of time, but thinking about that, it's even family. Is that... So many people look to the workspace because that's where their friends are, because their families are dysfunctional or they don't have that support. Or if they went home and they said that they were struggling and they were anxious, somebody there says, suck it up. You know, this is the way you always are. I mean, so, you know, part of it is, is, is the family unit. I mean, hopefully some of these lessons can transport back to that. Although we're focused on the workplace, hopefully they learn the skills that, that they can take that home and, and help improve the environment there as well especially if they don't have it. We want to thank everybody for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Again, you know, as we started out the show today, uh, we talk about that. We, heart, we hope that we're the heart and soul of some real cr- crucial conversations that need to be had about the future of work, about reimagining our future, about dealing with the stresses, about how to live and thrive in the never normal. Uh, there's so many things that we can do there, and, and we hope that uh, you know we are part of it. We thank you for for being part of of this community, uh, for being part of Googleization Nation. You can join Googleization Nation by going to GoogleizationNation.com. It's free. All we need is an email and you'll get updates there. And then I also invite everybody on LinkedIn. We've got my new newsletter, Never Normal News. So you can connect with me. You don't even have to connect with me though, subscribe. So if you just look up Never Normal News, or you can go to actually nevernormalnews.com and it'll take you to that link if you choose. And about once a week, I send out a newsletter Another ones in the making and it'll get out there soon because we're going to be talking about Never Normal for a long time.
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: Jason, stay safe. Hopefully you get through And and Roxy, who's our engineer behind the scenes. Hopefully you guys in the Midwest will stay safe through this, the blizzard that's coming up. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans.